Welcome back. I am Pastor David Palmer of Lower Three Runs Baptist Church in Martin, South Carolina, and this is the It's God's Word podcast. Today, we're looking at a couple of verses that really mean a lot to me. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Most of you are probably familiar with these verses. I remember when I graduated high school, uh, Bible was presented to me by my church, and inside the front cover was inscribed these two verses. I was not yet a Christian, but nonetheless, these verses really spoke to me, and I believe over the years, God used them uh, to draw me into His presence and into His kingdom uh, at the point that I got saved. But these verses were quickly committed to memory, and they just, they have meant a lot to me uh, from the time I received that Bible at my graduation to this very day. Let's read through Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you for speaking to us, revealing yourself to us. We thank you for your saving grace. And I I just pray that as we go through this message today, that everyone within the sound of this voice, Lord, would come to know you, Lord, if they already know you as Lord and Savior, that their faith would increase and they'd be ever more committed to your service. But if someone does not know you as Lord and Savior, Father, their heart would be convicted in a mighty way that you would draw them into your presence. Lord, and they would just accept your sacrifice and trust you as Lord and Savior and place their faith in you. We just thank you and ask you to speak to us through this time. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The 12th chapter of Romans really is kind of a transitional point. Uh, Paul is moving from an 11-chapter theology lesson, if you would, to the practical application of that theology, which he gets into throughout the rest of the book. And, and this is really the foundation of applying all of those theological principles he had taught throughout those first 11 chapters. Uh, and, and if you really think about it, a vast knowledge of God is useless unless it produces a changed life. Paul, through the first 11 chapters of Romans, does give us a very vast knowledge. But unless our life is changed, unless there's a transformation, the knowledge in and of itself is useful. It's useless. Uh, Any knowledge is useless unless you actually use it. It doesn't matter how much I know if I never use that knowledge. It's pointless. So let's look at these first two verses of Romans chapter 12. We're going to see what Paul has to say about that practical use of theology through our service to the Lord. The first thing that we need to notice is that Paul sees Christian service as a very urgent issue. He says, I beseech you. He's begging. He's urging. I beg you. I beg you, brothers, 
by mercy of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And there's also a very real purpose for that service, and that is God's mercy. And what this is really telling us is that our service to God should be a result of our love and gratitude for the mercy that He has shown us. In short, we should have a very real desire to serve Him. If your Christian service ever becomes one of duty, just a chore, then you need to re-examine your heart. And in order to effectively serve God, Paul instructs his readers to offer their bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, this is as opposed to a dead sacrifice, such as goats and bulls. A dead sacrifice is useless, but a living sacrifice, well, that can accomplish much. There's, you're alive, you're living for Christ. You can do things, you can accomplish things through His power, through His purpose, through His will, through His grace, through His mercy. Jesus may have died as a sacrifice for your sins, but He didn't stay dead. He's alive, and, and, and as such, He is able to intercede for us. Revelation chapter 1 verse 18 says, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and I have the keys of Hades and death. He's alive forevermore. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 says, Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. He is alive and working on our behalf. And our entire body, our whole being, should be devoted to serving God. There is nothing that should be withheld. Jesus didn't withhold anything, and neither should you. You should be alive. You should be eager to serve. You should be vibrant and enthusiastic. Your service should be full of joy, full of praise. After all, Everything about Christianity, everything about being a Christian should be about being alive because Jesus Christ is alive and working for us. Alive, living, doing on behalf of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Paul goes on to say that you are to be holy. He doesn't mean perfect. He simply means to be set apart for God. You belong to him, and you should act like it. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20 says, Well, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For we were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's only way to be holy is to accept the sacrifice of Jesus and to trust him as your savior. This is what makes you acceptable to God. And to be acceptable simply means to be pleasing. I mean, can a compromised lifestyle ever be truly acceptable or pleasing to God? 
Paul says all this to say that it is your reasonable service. Now, the Greek word here that is translated as reasonable is logikos. And I don't even know if I pronounced that right, so bear with me. This is the, the word from which we derive our English word logic, and that's the main point here. It means reasoned, intelligent, or well thought out, which is precisely how we should serve and worship God. Reasoned, intelligent, well thought out. And as such, we should desire to feed on his word so that we can grow daily. First Peter 2 verse 2 says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And of course, you don't remain babies and, and you, you go on to desire meat as, as you learn more about our Lord. <clears throat> you should be diligent in your studies so that you can truly understand the word of God and can rightly divide it. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. As a Christian, you always need to be ready to explain your beliefs. 1 Peter 3.15 But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You need to know what you believe and why you believe it. This is all part of a reasonable approach to service and worship. As a matter of fact, the word for service in this verse can also be translated worship, uh, which it is in some translations, particularly some of the newer translations. So imagine that for a moment. Service and worship are intertwined. You can't have worship without service. And when you serve, you are worshiping. James reinforces this by telling us that we need to prove our faith by our works. You see, our works don't save us. But they are the outward manifestation, manifestation of our salvation. So they don't save us, but they're how people see our salvation. It, it, it's what our salvation does for us on this earth. James chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Look, this is the only way that people can truly see our faith, is by our works. So, to kind of put all this together, the way in which we serve and worship should be well-reasoned. It should be thought out. It should be an intelligent type of service to the Lord, one with a well-thought-out purpose, one which is deeply rooted in the Word of God and not driven purely by emotion or self-desire. And you know, This is totally contrary to the way many churches worship God today because all too often 
Worship services are driven by emotion. It's all about how it makes you feel. The problem is that the Word of God is is only a side note when this happens. Uh, with the emphasis being on emotion, emotion-based entertainment, the Word of God becomes a side note. <clears throat> People leave feeling as if they've been stirred but in, in no time at all, they're back. They're right back where they started, and no change has taken place. A true encounter with God will be a life-changing experience. As such, it will be emotional, but it's going to be a life-changing experience. It's going to be marked by a sense of conviction, which is inevitable when an imperfect sinner is in the presence of an almighty God. To kind of sum it all up here, let's look at Romans 12 too. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And this reminds us that we cannot get caught up in worldly practices because a compromised lifestyle is just never, ever pleasing to God. Nor can we view Christianity as just a philosophy. It must involve life-changing faith. Period. That's what Christ Christianity does. It is life-changing. That is what Christ does. He transforms us. He changes us from the inside out. It's not an outward cleansing. It's an inward change. Verse 2 also reminds us that spiritual reformation starts in the mind. Uh, uh, Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you. But his heart is not with you. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. That spiritual transformation, reformation, starts in the mind. Let me read verse 2 again. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? That you may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. You need to know, you need to understand, you need to be able to discern, you need to be able to rightly divide the word of truth. Uh, uh, this, is, this is what he means by reasonable service, or, is that, as we talked about, um, well-reasoned, well-thought-out. We need to know, we need to understand, we need to rightly divide. And, and secondly, your mind controls your body. And your will controls your mind. Many people think they can control their will with willpower, but they ultimately fail. It's not going to work. You know, Romans 7, verses 15 through 21, and I'm going to read these because Paul talks about his own struggle with willpower, and this should be a lesson to us. Romans 7, verses 15 through 21. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, 
I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that is evil, a law that evil is present with me. Let me read verse 21 again. I find that a law that is ev- that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. Let me summarize that. I know what I need to do. I want to do these good things. I want to do these, these, these godly pleasing things. But then I end up sinning. Even though I don't want to, I end up doing it. That's because our own willpower will fail us. Period. He knows what he shouldn't do. He doesn't want to do it, but he does it anyway. Now, let me ask, does this sound familiar to you? I I dare say we've all had this struggle many times over. And it's only when we yield to the will of God that his power can take over. His power gives us the willpower that we need to be victorious. But it's all God's power. It's all God's strength. It has nothing to do with our own willpower. It has everything to do with God. And that's what we need to be victorious Christians, is a reliance and a faith in Jesus Christ our Lord and His strength. We need to pray, not my will, but your will be done, and let God have his way with us. For us to yield to God's will is the perfect will of God, and such is the key to reasonable service. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And you know what? This all starts with accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord. Because if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And, and I pray that if you haven't done that, you are convicted to do so right now. And if you are saved, if you are a member of God's family, then I beg you, I beseech you, that you become that living sacrifice, that you are not conformed to this world standard, that you will be transformed, that your mind will be renewed to be more in line with the mind of Christ, that you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much. I I pray that we will be those living sacrifices. I pray that we will be devoted to you. I I pray that we will, Lord, 
joyfully and, and with excitement and enthusiasm and zeal be your servants to increase your kingdom, to bring you honor and glory above all else that we may glorify you. And I pray that if anyone out there within the sound of this voice has not trusted you as Lord and Savior, that, Lord, you penetrate their hearts, that you draw them close, that, you, that, that, that Lord, that you convict them in such a way that they cannot ignore you. And they'll cry out to you for mercy and salvation and place their faith and their trust in you. And most of all, I thank you, Lord, and I say that within our lives, your will be done. For it is in the very precious and holy name of Jesus we pray. Amen.